This edition of the AfriCast is sponsored by Winx. You've probably already seen the distinct black and yellow packaging of the Winx brand in your local computer store. With care taken from every aspect of the brand, from its packaging to its affordability, Winx is the newest South African tech brand you can trust. Work, move, live and play with the new Winx range at takealot.com today. Hello and welcome to another edition of the AfriCast. Uh, my name is Brendan Lotz and joining me as always is Clinton Matos. Hello everybody. And Robin Lichetti. Howdy. Uh, it has been what a month this week has been. Um, really, really busy week uh, that kind of got a little bit more hardcore on Thursday when Russia invaded Ukraine. Uh, it's not a very good situation. Everybody's on tenter hooks. Uh, to everybody in Ukraine, we hope that you are able to stay safe. And uh, yeah, I- I'm pretty sure that nobody in Ukraine is listening to this. But if you happen to be or you have family, we hope that they're safe and uh, that the situation gets resolved sooner rather than later. Um, yeah, staring down the brink of world war is n- is not a-, a way that I expected to start 2022. Um, so yeah, uh, I know it's a bit of a meme to send thoughts and prayers, but our thoughts are with people in Ukraine. Um, cause yeah, I, I don't think that I would be, I, I would enjoy that situation. I don't think anybody would. Um, but yeah, uh, we're going to try and continue onward with our Africa. So we've got a lot to discuss, uh, some stuff that's close to home, uh, especially if you're a DSTV subscriber, we, we advise you hang around a little bit. Um, but before we get into the meat and potatoes of the Africa, let's discuss why this week has felt like a month, starting with a game launch that happened on Tuesday, the latest expansion for Destiny 2, The Witch Queen dropped. Uh, and I was sitting in the queue from 6.30 p.m. waiting to get in. Uh, and then I had to go and have dinner. So that meant that I was kicked out of the queue because I was inactive. So I had to start the whole process again. Uh, but I eventually got in, which is, is pretty great, considering that sometimes there have been waits of upwards of four hours, sometimes even until the next day to get in. Um, but yeah, Bungie did well in terms of expecting the load. There were one million pre-orders. Thankfully, there was a bit of a hitch uh, in the preload for PlayStation players, which I think helped ease congestion a little bit. I do wonder if Bungie did that intentionally, but that's just me um, (laughs) throwing rampant theories around. Um, So this expansion deals with one of Destiny's most long-standing big bads, Sabathun, the Witch Queen, uh, the hive god of cunning and deceit and lies and everything bad. she has been very much in the background of Destiny 2 for the last, I would say, two, three years maybe. Um, and now she's front and center in this campaign. Um, and she has managed to get control of the light, which is what guardians use to destroy the enemies of humanity. Um, and she's managed to get a hold of it. And the game is very much about trying to uncover why she has, or rather how she has managed to, to steal the light. And uh, and then to figure out what she plans to do with this newfound power of hers. So, yeah, it's it's a very, very interesting um, approach to the game. You play a psychic detective, um, a gumboot, as it's referred to in the game. Uh, I didn't know what that was, and now it's my favorite <laughs> word. Um, 
And yeah, throughout the campaign, you sort of uncover what Sabathun is doing. Um, but I want to, I just want to speak to the quality of this campaign because generally Destiny campaigns have been go here, do a thing, complete a mission, and then go and level up so that you can do the next mission, which is go here, do a thing, and finish the mission. Um, this one is very different. So missions now uh, are comprised of two to three major encounters. Um, and at the end of every encounter, you get a loot drop. So you get some gear that will that you can use to level up your, your character, um, increase your power. So a lot of the time is actually spent within the campaign. There's one or two instances where you need to go out into the world and earn uh, uh, more power. Uh, but this can be done from within the new destination, which is Sabathun's Throne World, which is really nice because it means that you get to play the new content instead of playing the stuff that you've been playing for upwards of a year now. Um, so the, the, that's really good. And I think that Bungie got a really nice balance of playing the campaign versus exploring in. Um, so your time isn't wasted, which is really, really nice, especially if you're trying to get through the campaign very, very quickly. Um, there's a bunch of new weapons, there's a bunch of new armor to unlock, uh, weapons, there's a new weapon crafting system which allows you to extract perks from other weapons and uh, then create craft weapons and then level them up and uh, make them more powerful by just using the weapon. It's a really nice passive gameplay mechanic um, which is really great in a game like Destiny where you are constantly trying to do things and you're constantly trying to progress and and improve your character so this is really nice to see that it's not something you have to go out of your way to do it's something you can just do while playing the game uh i do just want to mention the performances in this uh in this expansion because the voice acting here is phenomenal uh deborah wilson who voices sabathun is probably the standout performance here um every word is just so well so well present or so well yeah, presented, I think, is, is the right word here. Um, the writing is phenomenal. Uh, the actress who has taken over from Gina Torres to play Ikora Ray, Mara Juneau, her performance is, as, 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 is second only to Sabathun's performance. They are, these two actresses are incredible. And I hope that if Destiny uh, graduates doing like a series, a TV series or a movie, that these two voice actresses, um, have a heavy part or have a, a big role in that. Uh, even Nolan North, who voices the ghost, gives a fantastic performance. Um, I don't want to give too much away, but right at the end, there's a moment where I was like, damn, Nolan North, you pulled out the stops. Um, so yeah, this is by far the best expansion from Destiny 2. Uh, it should take you four to six, or sorry, the best campaign. We're not finished with the expansion just yet. Um, but the campaign should take you four to six hours if you're playing on normal difficulty. Um, and then there's obviously the whole other side after the campaign. Um, there are exotic quests to do. There's there's more story. And then obviously we have the raid coming on the 5th of March. So yeah, uh, I, it comes highly recommended. I think it is possibly, if you have never played Destiny and you've had a passing interest in it, this is a great way to jump into the game. Um, even if you know nothing about the lore, uh, things are explained really, really well, and context is given to almost everything in a really nice way, not just loaded with exposition. So yeah, um, if you have had an interest in Destiny 2 and 
uh, you want to dive into the game, I think the Witch Queen is the perfect jumping off point. Uh, you can play the first two missions for free. So you can set up an account, you can start playing Destiny, and you can play the first two missions for free. Um, but I will tell you that once you play those two missions, Budgie will have hooked you and you will want to play the rest. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, I don't know about jumping in now because uh, everything I know about this game makes it sound like uh, a second job. And I know from playing Warframe, which isn't at all comparable, but it's it's the same in terms of it being a living uh, a living game that's always updated. And that game was 100% a second job. So... Uh, so I'm fine with just my job that I have now. So just on that, um, I just want to ma- mention something. While this anecdotal is just my experience, um, before the Witch Queen launched, I had kind of set myself a time limit for this game. So during the week, I would only play for an hour at night, and I would not play every day, every second day. Um, and then I would only like do long grind sessions at the weekend when I had the time to do that. So if you limit yourself, you you can avoid it becoming a second job. However, after playing the Witch Queen, I am very much hoping to make this my second job. Um, <laughs> because it is there's just so much to explore. The the new additions, the the tweaks that, that that Bungie has made, they all just come together in a really fantastic package. So yeah, uh like Linson says, maybe uh maybe don't make it your second job. But um, this really is a fantastic example of what Destiny has to offer players. So check it out. Our review will be at the bottom of this post as always. Um, and yeah, I, I just had so much fun playing this game. Right, moving on. Robin, you've got some news for us uh, this week. Yes, so early in the month, Huawei Technology South Africa kind of found itself in the crosshairs of government, specifically the Department of Employment and Labor. Um, they brought a lawsuit against the company with regards to how much local talent is actually employed at Huawei South Africa. Um, and uh, in the past week or so, uh, Huawei has kind of gone to the negotiating table and has tried to engage with the Department of Labor over this issue. And it looks like those discussions are are moving along quite swiftly and uh, quite, I guess, positively as far as Huawei is concerned. Um, they issued a statement to us to kind of explain the situation and where kind of things stand at the moment. Um, they said that the Department of Employment and Labor and Huawei Technology South Africa have entered into talks to reach a settlement agreement and have agreed to stay court proceedings instituted by the department against Huawei on 11 February 2022 pending outcome of the negotiations. So that essentially means that they are going to now suspend those court proceedings, uh, hopefully avoid any kind of legal proceedings whatsoever, and are now trying to kind of hash out a deal as far as Huawei's employment equity plans are concerned. Um, Huawei said that during these meetings, it was able to kind of lay out what is done to date in South Africa, specifically as far as its ICT skills transfer and training programs are concerned. Um, how it's also trying to bring new technologies into the country. Uh, we've we've heard of, about these quite a, quite a bit already from Huawei, uh, 5G, cloud, AI, a lot of I guess other associated 4R technologies as well. And the Labor Department said that that's great and everything. Uh, we want you to continue doing that. However, uh, you need to expand these kind of scopes into your employment equity plan as well. So they are still in discussions. We don't know what the discussions are, are going to yield yet. But it looks like there's going to be a specific, a real a tangible change, or there has to at least be a real tangible change at Huawei South Africa. And 
hopefully that means bringing more local talent into the organization and specifically talent at a C-suite level. Um, so we're hoping to see what these discussions yield. Um, so for right now, uh, Huawei kind of ended their statement by saying that uh, discussions are ongoing. Huawei is committed to being fully cooperative with the department and both sides are positive that this matter will be concluded shortly. So it is at least, I think, good to see that um, Huawei is doing something as far as local talent is concerned and bringing more talent into its organization as a Chinese kind of based firm. Um, but it is, I guess, a little bit disappointing uh, that it took a lawsuit in order for this to happen. Uh, we know that Huawei has several contracts with uh, South African government around technology and kind of rolling out new technologies in, in 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 the country. So, yeah, it looks like if Huawei plans to continue to do so, it's going to have to uh, make some serious changes as far as its employee makeup is concerned. I'm no lawyer, but apparent, apparently if the government brings a lawsuit against you, you can just be a big business and speak to them at a table and then the lawsuit goes away. Um I know that we always talk about uh, things are only illegal for people with no money. Um, but man, if, if the government wants to sue you, you just sit down with them. And like, I promise I'll change. And then they don't sue you. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. I'm happy all of this is happening. And I'm, I hope they do employ more South Africans. But it's just, I don't want to say it's funny. It's funny in a morbid way. The government's like, oh, we're going to sue you. And then they, they meet in a big, you know, company office somewhere. And then they say, oh, we'll promise we'll do X, Y, and Z. And then they don't sue you. So really that easy? <laughs> so to be fair, I mean a lot of a lot of lawsuits that are launched get settled out of court before before a judge even has a chance to look at the matter. So I mean in this case it seems like that process was heavily expedited. Um but yeah, I I I, I see where you're coming from, Clinton, that it's like, okay, we messed up and there's not gonna be a fine or anything. Can we just talk to you and, yeah. and we'll sort this out? Um because Either the government is abusing the legal system by being too trigger happy and bringing a case to it, or Huawei is going around it by just outright cancelling it by talking. I'm trying to choose my words very carefully here. It it just seems, as someone who is not a lawyer, the more I learn about law, the more BS it sounds like. And it's not just in South Africa, because a lot of our news comes from the US, and I hear all sorts of ridiculous stuff coming out of courts man i don't want to sound like i'm like radicalized or anything against the legal system but it just seems like more and more that people and companies with a lot of money can just like sidestep whatever they want it's uh again this is less to do with huawei uh, i'll get off this tangent now i hope this is resolved and i hope more south africans are employed by a big company and i hope they get nice um they get to live comfortably and provide jobs and everything to South Africa. It's a very weird situation. I hope it gets resolved. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very, very odd that uh, government's like, we're going to sue you. And then we had a talk and they seem like they know what they're doing. So, so yeah. we'll let them do it. Right. Uh, Clinton, you got some news about Street Fighter 6 that had us all in a tizzy this week. Yeah, so Street Fighter 6 was announced and it got a, a teaser trailer that's about 40 seconds. And in that 40 seconds, we get to hear, I don't know what you'd call it, a snippet of a new piece of music. And we could not find that music. You know, we used Shazam, we Googled, we went into comment sections. Um, Capcom themselves didn't say where this music is or who made it or where it came from. Um, and it seems we're not the only one because I saw a lot of searches for it and I saw no resolution. It's not often you go on the internet and you look for something ultra specific and you don't find it. But 
that's what happened. No one knows what this piece of music is. So uh, I went right to the source. I got in contact with Capcom of Europe um, and I asked them, hey, can you tell me what this is? And the bad news is that they couldn't tell me what it is. But the good news is that we can all stop looking. Uh, not just us, but everybody. I saw a lot of Google searches for it. Everybody who's looking for this can just stop. The official word, and this is the quote I got from the Capcom spos- uh, spokesperson, will have more information to share, uh, more information in summer 2022. So when this game was announced, they did say that. They said, listen, here's a teaser trailer. This is our announcement that uh, Street Fighter 6 is officially in development. We'll give you more information later in the year. Now, because we're a... Uh, we're a bit sensible and we don't use the seasons to mark the release of products. Um, the American summer is between late June and late September. So absolutely the earliest we'll hear about this is right uh, near the end of June or maybe even the middle of June. Because again, the seasons are a terrible way to mark the passage of time. So yeah, it's, uh, it's bittersweet news. We don't know what this music is. It sounds like a cool track, um, yeah. but we don't know anything about it. The only way I can see us learning more about this music before June is if the people who made the music kind of slip up and they, you know, reveal themselves or Capcom slips up and they remove, they reveal this music. So yeah, that's, that's just a short story. Uh, the reason I wrote the story is that I just want people who are looking for the music to find our story and to stop looking. Yeah. And I know that's, some people might say, oh, that's, you, know, you want clicks to your site, but it's better than you click on our site once, you read an official statement from Capcom, and you know there's nowhere further to go yeah. than you clicking around, going into weird subreddits and Twitter conversations and looking up artists who sound similar. Just for now, we're going to have to be satisfied that we don't know what this music is. Um, and the real discussion is weird. We, I really focused on the music. Um, but everybody's talking about the new art style of the game, which looks more realistic compared to other games. Um, is that going to be carried into the new game, or is this just for the teaser trailer? Again, we don't know. But for now, take not our word, take Capcom's word and wait for the music to come out later in June, or it might even be later than that. Because when the new uh, stuff comes out in June, they might just reveal stuff about the game and nothing about the music. You know... Come say, come say. We we don't know right now. You know what I find interesting is how Ryu and um, Adam Driver use the same uh, workout person. They are both very wide boys. I uh, <laughs> I, I agree with you, man. They really did my boy color and dirty in the sequel trilogy. <laughs> what a terrible set of movies. That's a discussion for another day. Look how they massacred my boy. Right? Yeah, they, they really did do him dirty, though. My lord. <laughs> Whether you're looking to do more with the Winx wireless and Bluetooth mouse or vibing out to tunes with the Winx Vibe Active True Wireless Earbuds, there's a Winx product for you. Be sure to take advantage of the package's internal flaps that allow you to take a peek at your new device before you even buy it. Shop for Winx online now at www.takealot.com. Right, something else that was massacred this week was multi-choice, or rather DSTV, who... Man... I don't even know how to how how to uh, how to start this. Uh, Robin, you covered the the original story. Do you want to do you want to lead us into this? Yes. So um, I was happened to be on TweetDeck as I sometimes am during the day, and I saw an interesting tweet that featured an image of a notification by DSTV, and 
It specifically pertained to password sharing. Um, so I clicked on the link and it led me to a DSTV landing page that I've never seen before. And I said, knowing full well that I often check press portals for information and announcements, but I've never seen this before. So it looked rather surreptitious as far as how it was announced. And the announcement is not good news, especially if you, like many other people in South Africa, like to share your DSTV now password or credentials with friends and family. It's been a great way to almost, quote unquote, skirt around uh, some of the, the logging requirements that DSTV now has. And you're able to access content without necessarily owning a subscription. Mm. It's been common practice for many years now. Um, as far as we understood, DSTV, or rather MultiChoice, was aware that this was happening and was quite happy for it to happen because at the end of the day, they need subscribers, they need eyeballs uh, on whatever uh, that platform they are streaming on or they're distributing content on. Um, but now that's a change. Uh, or rather, not now, but as of 22nd March, um, so MultiChoice's statement said, um, as part of our ongoing efforts to counteract password sharing and privacy, while piracy. continuing to bring you... Piracy, not privacy, Sorry. piracy. <laughs> Sorry, maybe there's a Freudian slip there. Um, <laughs> while continuing to bring you the best viewing experience, we will be introducing measures to limit concurrent streaming. It added that from 22nd, 22 March 2022, customers will be limited to streaming DSTV on one device at a time. They will still be able to watch previously downloaded content on a second device. Um, that's great and all if you want to download stuff, but this ostensibly means that uh, a household that has three or four people in it, all of whom want to use DSTV now and perhaps only have one profile, uh, are not able to stream simultaneously on different devices, uh, which seems really really dumb and i think um there's been quite a bit of fallout as far as the reaction the public reaction to this is concerned and uh as we know multi-choice has been struggling somewhat to kind of uh continue to add subscribers to its platforms uh we've seen a number of streaming services over the past couple of years really jump to the fore as far as onboarding new customers uh, streaming is very much the way things are going, regardless of how, how we personally hate the fact that everyone has a streaming service these days and means we have to sign up to multiple services. That is the way forward as far as consuming content is concerned. And it, for a long time, I think MultiTrue was probably being left behind, but DSTV now at least gave them a way in. Um, this kind of limits that now. So it, it, it really kind of baffles the mind as far as how this decision was made. And there's also been a real lack of clarity or clarification on multi-choice's part as to why this decision was taken. I know that they are citing uh, counteracting password sharing and piracy, but is that really the reason? Uh, I think we can probably, I can open up to the rest of you guys on, yeah. on this now. So I think that the... Right. I think that the the major question mark over this whole thing is the mention of pir uh, piracy, because um, piracy is, I mean, so so what is DSTV saying that this is piracy? Is it saying that by sharing your accounts with somebody who's not a subscriber, that's piracy? Because if we if we extrapolate that and expand on that thinking. Uh, if I go and visit my parents this weekend and I watch DSTV as a non-subscriber, I'm a pirate. D extrapolating even more, 
if uh, you have children in your home and they are watching DSTV, but they are not the person paying the bill, are they pirates? I mean, I would love to say yes and and to encourage those children to go and work. I'm kidding, totally <laughs> kidding. Um, but I mean, this is this is what is implied by saying that oh, it's it's piracy to be sharing your login like your login information. Is it? Because, I mean, throughout my life, piracy in my mind was taking a copy of something uh, and keeping it for yourself. Whereas with DSTV, I suppose you could argue that streaming is sort of downloading temporarily. Uh, but I don't know. This whole thing just, just really feels like an old man with gray hair sat down and said, I'm tired of people sharing their passwords. We're losing subscribers. We need to make sure that they pay us more money. And if they don't want to do that, they can all watch the same thing on one TV. That's what I that's how I feel this decision was made. That's and uh, thoughts. I want to share some stuff with you. I've got a lot to say about this. <laughs> um story from IOL.ca.za, very big news um, source in South Africa. Uh, this is story from July 2021. So it's uh it's not that recent, but the, the stuff we're going to talk about is recent. When I tell you these amounts, I want you to keep in mind that they are US dollars. Um, the chief executive of MultiChoice, the parent company of DSTV, he was compensated with a 2.62 million package, uh, pay package for the year 2021. Um, this is a $1.5 million increase from last year. Um, he has a base salary of 646000 and it went up from uh, more than half a million last year. His pension was increased to $78,000. Um, he got a short-term and medium-term incentive of almost a million dollars. That's up uh, $726,000 from last year. Um, there's another C-level executive, um, the chief financial officer. His uh, package grew threefold in 2021 to $31 million. For the 2021 financial year. Again, uh, sorry, okay, so now it's moved to rands. I don't know why they did this. Um, so last year, he brought in 31 million rand. Um, that's gone up threefold, right? Last uh, In 2020, it was 10.2 million. Now 31 million. Um, there's another executive here. I'm just trying to find it. I can't find the other one yet. It was these two. Okay, so I want you to keep that in mind as we discuss this going forward about why are these decisions being made? Because outside of providing content for the consumer, outside of piracy, outside of password sharing, I want you to keep the salaries of the C executives in mind. And those are just two of them. You know, the C-suite is more than two people. Millions of dollars, not millions of rands, millions of dollars. When DSTV and MultiChoice say, that they need to increase money because streaming is hurting them or government decisions are hurting them or password sharing, as we're discussing now, is hurting them. Millions of dollars in salary that goes up every year. Keep that in mind. I want to start with that. I, I won't, uh, I'll give it back to you guys in a second, but I want to keep that in mind because at the end of the day, this is a bit to make more money. I, I don't know. We don't, we don't need to, you know, pussyfoot around it at all. This is a bit to make more money. If people can't share their passwords, 
they will have to get their own subscriptions if they want to keep watching, right? That yeah. is what it is at the end of the day. Am I, have well, I said anything that's out of line yet before well, we go further? So technically, technically, you only need another account if you want to stream concurrently. So you can still watch DSTV on your, your television through the decoder. Um, but if you want to stream specifically, you can now only stream on one device at a time. So I just we need to clarify that. Building Robin, off, you... sorry. Uh, no, no, go ahead. So building off of what Clinton said, um, I wrote a piece earlier this week uh, looking at uh, MultiChoice's subscriber base uh, over the last three years. So uh, just before we get into this, MultiChoice, their reporting shifted in 2020. So in 2019, they gave us an exact amount of subscribers that they had added. Uh, that figure was... 511,500 new subscribers. Um, but then in 2020, they just reported it in percentage of millions. Very aspirational. Um, what? That's a choice. But um, unless you're adding a million, don't 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 record numbers as millions. So in 2020, yeah, in 2020, they had a subscriber growth of 0.5 million for 2020, um, which is 500,000. They throughout the year they only added 500,000 new subscribers. But it gets worse. In 2021, they only added 200,000 new subscribers, which is shocking. It is sho it is no wonder that DSTV is doing this because it's it's simply not viable for South Africans anymore. To give you an idea, a DSTV streaming subscription, a premium, will cost you 8,388 Rand a year, assuming no discounts. That is a hell of a lot of money. That sounds very low to me. Oh, it's only for streaming. It's, I was oh, just, this, is just the, this is just streaming. I'm only looking parents, at the streaming. Yeah, my parents pay like more than a thousand rand every month. But then again, they have the they have the actual decoder hooked up to the TV. I don't think they even use the streaming side of it. So, so I I know that's that's like the low end of what people are paying for DSTV every year. To put year. this into perspective, Netflix for the top tier um, streaming, which gives you 4K streaming, which DSTV does not have. Up to four concurrent streams at a time, and no advertising costs you two thousand three hundred and eighty-eight rand a year. That's with the new price increase that uh, Netflix installed last year. So DSTV, are you saying that your product is four times the value of Netflix? Not no, not four times. What is this? Four. It's several. Been it's many times. Many more. times. But I mean, it's it's just not, especially when you take into account that you are still beholden to a a terrestrial TV schedule. There's no 4K streaming. You have now have no concurrent streams. I I mean, I I know you have Sport DSTV, but that that is slowly moving away from you, which I'm sure we'll get to. But this is just bizarre when you start looking at the numbers. This, like Clinton says, this whole move is about making more money. And I have to ask the question, why don't you just make a better service? Why don't you just make a better platform to people to effort, stream? Brendan. They, were, they, would, so they would have to take some of the C executive salary and put that into improving their platform. And you can't have that, Brendan. Yeah, the, the, but insane. this is the problem. Is have, either, have any of you guys used the, the DSTV streaming or DSTV now? Have you used it at all? No. Yes, I use it specifically for sport. And... Do you want to give us how is it? How yeah. is the experience, Robin? Um, 
It, it first the UI is quite horrible, spe- specifically if you want to uh, watch live TV. Um, they have a whole bunch of content there that is, I guess, TV shows that are loaded onto a database and you can access like that. That side is okay, um, but when it comes to live TV, it is a horrible UI to, to actually interface with, mm. um, and that's if it actually works. So connectivity is a serious problem, and um, again, I'm not trying to brag or anything like that, but I have a 100 meg line set up in my home. I should have absolutely no problems with connectivity, uh-huh. regardless of what my server provider is doing. There shouldn't be an issue. I shouldn't be having to kind of reset, restart the app every time connectivity drops. Uh, it, it, yeah, it's it's just a horrible experience to use. And if I didn't need to watch live TV through DSTV now, I would have found an alternative a long time ago. Yeah. Do you feel like it's worth more than 8K per year, Rob? <laughs> Do you feel you get your money's worth? Is anything with 8K per year? I don't know. I, I don't know. My like my internet subscription doesn't even cost that much. And if I didn't have an internet subscription, I wouldn't be employed. And if you ask me, do you think it's worth that much? I'd be like, it's still a lot of money. Um, I think like shelter is only worth that much money per year. <laughs> and even even that should be lower. I don't want to get in. Man, I really sound like I'm a radicalized, like <laughs> end capitalism guy over here. But not even shelter should cost that much per year. So yeah, nothing should be that much per year to, to answer your question. So I'm going to put you down as a no. You don't think it's worth that much money, Robin? Uh, that, is a, that is a definite no. Yeah, so I, I've used the DSTV Now um, platform and I every time I use it, I think to myself, this was a mobile platform that DSTV decided halfway through, oh, we need to put it on the web as well. And uh, yeah, it's just appalling. Like, I think Apple, Apple TV Plus, has one of the worst user interfaces on the market at the moment. Uh, but DSTV is really challenging them for that because it is just so bad. Um, so I think the next, the next question is, are DSTV customers going to leave the, the platform? Um, I, I've spoken to a few people in my friend group um, some have said, yeah, we're just, we're, we're going to cancel it. Um, but I mean, it's, it's one thing to say we're going to cancel and another thing to actually go ahead and pull the trigger on that. And yeah. the main reason for that for many South Africans is because multi-choice has an iron grip on sports, uh, whether it's the Olympics, cricket, uh, football, um, other sports that I can't think of right now, rugby. Um, I'm not a sport guy, so uh, DSTV died in my eyes many years ago. Um, But DSTV is the only place that you can watch a lot of these sports. However, um, first off, Showmax Pro is a product that exists, uh, and they are slowly starting to introduce more sports. Robin, there's a big tournament happening this weekend that's available to stream on Showmax Pro, correct? Yeah, that's the Carabao Cup final between Liverpool and Chelsea. Uh, we actually wrote about that. And it is potentially a test case for people that are only using DSTV now for sport, like myself, mm-hmm. and just want to see what the what the experience is like because they have quite a few of the, uh, I guess, the bigger football leagues. Mm-hmm. And Shamex Pro also has some, of, uh, some live news channels as well. Yeah. So outside of, I guess, movies and stuff like that or TV series, 
which you could potentially get from your Netflixes or Amazon Primes and stuff like that, uh, Shamex Pro could be a good option. I mean, signing up for it costs 225 Rand per month. Oh. And you, when you weigh that against the 829 per month for DSTV Premium, mm. Mm, yeah. Just want to add for people who don't know, Showmax is owned by Multi Choice. Because um, yeah. a lot of people don't know that, which which really astounds me. They think it's just a little local South African uh, streaming service. It's not. It's owned by Multi Choice, and in many respects, it's kind of an extension of DSTV. Because if you have certain DSTV subscriptions, you actually get a login for Showmax. I mean, so, beyond that, the content moves from uh, DSTV to uh, Showmax with. Uh, very very regularly yeah. so I, I just want to make that perfectly clear for people showmax isn't an alternative to dstv it's an extension of it so it's just important to keep well, that in mind as we talk about it i mean uh, just hold that thought because you can password share on uh showmax apparently don't don't say it brendan no you can't no, you can no no multi-choice said themselves they're in an FAQ on their uh, their post announcing this, uh, there was a question, will this impact Showmax customers? No, this no. change only applies when streaming DSTV. So we asked MultiChoice, why is this being applied, being applied to, DSTV to DSTV and not Showmax? Not Showmax. Do you know what, you know what MultiChoice said Multi-choice? to us? Showmax is a different platform to DSTV. A customer may, customer may register five devices on a Showmax account and stream on two registered devices simultaneously. What a great way to not answer the question. Of course, Showmax is a different platform. Anybody who doesn't understand that needs needs to just read the URL, right? I understand it's a different platform, but it is still a multi-choice product, as Clinton pointed out. And to apply the rules sec- selectively really does raise some questions on my end. Like, so piracy is a problem on DSTV, but not on Showmax, even though there's a lot of parity between the programming on Showmax and DSTV. So uh, 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 what do you say? Beyond that, I do just want to mention something. So two years ago when Survivor South Africa was being broadcast, um, somebody found a lovely link on YouTube to the whole Survivor South Africa series. So you could watch it without having to have an account. Now, the reason that they do this is that they use it for screeners, I believe. So DSTV will send press a unlisted link to a YouTube video and tell them, please don't share this, where they can watch the, the, the content. I don't know if that has changed, but it is something that they were doing up until very recently. So, I mean, this whole talk of piracy just kind of falls flat when you start picking apart at the at, at the lovely blue paintwork of DSTV. Like, nothing starts to make sense. It's like, okay, so DSTV, that's where the pirates are. So if somebody records something is on, like, using the decoder, that's not piracy. I, I just make it all make sense. It's just, it is moon logic. It's very moonish. Um, yeah, I, I don't understand that. Uh, and also, just to go back to that YouTube thing, YouTube has to be the worst platform to share anything <laughs> yeah. Because like Brendan said, the URL, even though the, the the video itself might be hidden from the public, the URL is public. Yeah. So it it, it really doesn't matter if DSTV or ever hides it. it. It has to be the worst place to uh to try and quote unquote hide something. Um, I understand that YouTube is very easy to use and you know that's appealing, but uh, yeah, horrible for that application. Yeah. But then back to your original question: Do you think they're going to actually lose? Customers over this, like a tangible amount of customers. 
I, I don't think so. And it comes back to the sport thing. I mean, people want to be able to watch sports, although maybe you we will start to see a sort of... Okay, so here's what I think will happen, is I think a lot of people will cancel. But what I think might start to happen, and this is, this is just me thinking out loud, maybe somebody's already had this idea, you know, is that you, let's say you and a group of friends really like sports, um, and you, you've got like a little man cave at one of your friend's houses where you play darts and, you know, drink beer before the game and do all that sort of stuff. What you guys could do is you could all club together for a single DSTV subscription. And whenever you want to watch sports, you can just go to that person's house and watch sports. You know, um, that's just an idea. Team. I mean, obviously that kind of gives the DSTV to one person, or I suppose you could move it around. I don't, I'm not sure how DSTV works, but I mean, if it's a streaming subscription, you could kind of. You can work it out amongst your friends, right? But I think that might be a way to, to get around this is that one person pays for it and all your friends enjoy it. Um, that's password sharing in the real world and multi-choice can't police that. Unless they come to your house and start knocking and like, how many people here are the subscribers that are watching the TV? We want to know. We want to see your, uh, what's it called, your TV license. Yeah. Can't believe that's a thing either. Robin, let me ask you, of the sport you watch, have any of the platforms that like governing bodies expressed any interest in making their own streaming platforms yet uh so i exclusively watch uh premier league football and uh, any kind of local rugby and as far as i know uh you can for example in america um the premier league has uh, some kind of agreements in place with uh, nbc or i think i remember i think it's called peacock Oh, yeah. Their streaming service, I believe so. Um, so it depends uh, on who the kind of broadcaster is in the region. Uh, for South Africa, as far as I know, there's been no discussions around that purely for the fact that Supersport is Supersport. And it has all the rights to pretty much every single sport. I, I even see SABC sometimes uh, for local football. They will use a, a Supersport feed. So, yeah, uh, like uh, Brendan was alluding to, yeah, multi-choice has a stranglehold on on sport in South Africa, and that's through Supersport. I, d- I, don't, I haven't heard any rumors or any murmurings around having, for example, an English Premier League uh, streaming service that you I, can access globally. I don't understand because every company under the sun looked at Netflix and said, we could do our own streaming service. Why haven't the big sports bodies done the same? Uh, what's the uh, F1 governing body, uh, FIA? FIA? So they, Why have, they, yeah, do, they have their own streaming service it's called F1 TV. Um, yeah. The price went up this year. It used to be 59 Rand a month. It's now 69 Rand, I believe. No, sorry, 89 Rand a month. Um, but you get access to everything that happens on race weekends. So you get a pre-show. You get uh, free practice one, two, and three on Friday or Saturday. Uh, you get qualifying. You get the the live race. You also get an after show. Um, you get to watch all historical races. Uh, also, while you're streaming, you can switch to a pit lane channel where you can then go and click on every single driver's uh, uh, race cam individually. Um, there's live timings that you can watch or that you can access for free. Um, they, they have really made it a, a really good platform for F1 fans. Um, I'm, I've been a subscriber now for two years. Uh, the only time I don't, I, I sort of let my subscription lapse is at the end of the season. Um, 
but yeah, it's it's a really, really good platform. And if I were DSTV, I'd be worried that more governing bodies would start doing this. Yeah, so that's available in South Africa. Yep. So if you're an F1 person, who I know a lot of people are, you don't need DSTV at all. Nope, you do not. That, so so this is just stock and local stuff, basically. Yeah, so I mean, I was using DSTV to watch the races uh, while we were waiting for F1 TV to launch in South Africa. Um, and it was really, really bad. Just the streaming quality was terrible because of DSTV. Um, and then I moved to F1 TV. I tested it out for a month. Um, and I haven't looked back. It's, it's just really, really good. And I think that if more bodies start doing that, um, it might work out well for them, especially in territories where, like, uh, let's just say, as an example, Germany. So Germany has a different agreement with uh with regards to broadcasting FIA or F1 compared to the rest of the world. So if you're in Germany and you want to access like the Sky race or the Sky version of the race rather uh, which is um uh, commentated on by uh, Crofty and his team um then F1 TV is is the way to go. Um that being said because the the stream is captured by Sky, I don't know how exactly that works. The um the, the nitty gritty of it, uh, but yeah, I mean, you, it's all F one branding. It's it's just a really good service. I I wonder why FIFA and the Premier League haven't looked into this. Maybe they have. I again, I'm very not clued up when it comes to soccer, but surely they could make a bundle just selling that. But I think maybe they like too tied in with um. Uh, cable providers, which is the American word for stuff like DSTV. Yeah. Um, surely they'll make a bundle. Can can one person with like a billion dollars not start a, a company for soccer? Again, I don't watch soccer, but this would be great for the consumer. Call it Soccer TV or Soccer Plus or whatever, or Football Plus, and then offer the Premier League and FIFA stuff under one subscription. And you could probably charge a lot for that subscription because... Um, FIFA and the Premier League would probably ask a lot of money. Surely that's a good business model. Wouldn't that work? I don't know. Again, I'm not clued up in soccer. Maybe someone could say, oh, the, the person who leads those alliances, they hate streaming and yada, yada. Maybe there's a lot of nitty gritty I'm not thinking of, but yeah. Yeah, with those governing bodies, uh, specifically the, uh, the FA, which is in uh, the UK, and FIFA, they don't see eye to eye on a lot of things. So I think there'll be a lot of uh, peacocking and mm-hmm. chest out moments. And no, we're not going to do work with you because we know this, blah, 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 blah. So I doubt anything like that could ever be hashed out between these organizations because the money they rake in from TV is insane. The reason why the Premier League is as big as it is, is because of TV rights. Yeah. That's the only reason why these clubs can pull in the money they do. So if, if those two work don't work together, I wonder if one of them or both of them will individually make their own streaming service. Because I really feel like every company who, who creates any kind of content wants to do their own service. And we've seen it for TV and movies. I'm not sure why sport would be any different. Again, maybe that's an ignorant opinion and people who are more clued in can tell me why. But it really seems like there's a lot of money to be made by streaming your own stuff and kicking normal TV so, to the crew. I think the major problem is production costs. Um, yeah. Like when you think about like Formula One, they've had their production. They do all their own camera work. They hire all their own cameramen. Um, 
all the all the personalities that you see on screen it's all FIA people um but when you have something like football for instance you'll have multiple different broadcasters that are at the game all streaming their own thing to their own platform right um and i think that the issue is is that i don't know if the if the FA in the UK has its own production team right um, I know that it has its own organizers and all that sort of stuff, but production is is a is another ball game entirely. So yeah. I think that might contribute to to things. Although I, I'm I'm really just spitballing here. I, I don't so, know the inner workings. So before we um, wrap up the podcast, I do just want to talk about one aspect which we haven't touched on, and that's accessibility. Because I think when we talk about these stories, we come at it from a position of we are very tech literate we are willing to you know, go through hoops to sign up for services and to deal with internet interruptions like Robin was speaking about. There is a large amount of people who have stuck with DSTV not just because of sport, but because of simplicity and because of, I don't know what to call it, but momentum. They've always used it, so they're going to keep using it. And my parents fit into this bill. Uh, you know, my parents are always, you know, if something's too expensive, we'll look for something cheaper, but they have become so comfortable with DSTV and the fact that it's not internet, you just connect it to the TV with a satellite and it always works except when it rains, which is another complaint altogether. But they have become used to the the simplicity and the familiarity. And even if sport or my mom really enjoys, um, uh, not subcons, not telenovelas, um, that sort of content. Um, She's become so used to how that stuff works and how that whole song dance goes. And even though I've gotten my dad a laptop and he's become more comfortable with the internet and stuff like that, I think even if I told him, listen, you can stream your sport onto your laptop or we can hook that up to a TV, I don't know if he would make that switch. And then if the internet was a bit slow and it was buffering and all of that, I wouldn't say you'd get mad, but you'd probably have, you would think of it lesser yeah. compared to us who we know you know why it's buffering and you just got to wait a few seconds and what have you so I, I really think a lot of people don't think about that when we have these discussions it's always sports 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 that's the reason why everyone's keeping it but i think a lot of people are doing it not because of sports alone but just because of this momentum and this familiarity and what you know you can't really break that you you'd have to you know take your parents or your friends, whoever is stuck in that, um, that cycle or whatever. And you have to kind of teach it to them and you have to, you know, explain the, the foibles and why it's ultimately better. And some people just don't want to deal with that. They would rather just have the money going out of their account every month to, to multi-choice. So yeah, I just want people to think about that, especially if you have parents who are a bit older, like mine are, and just try and see it from their point of view. Um, you know, I don't want to say people, can't learn as they get older but as you get older you get more fed up with life and you just want things to work <laughs> and even though like <laughs> I, i'm not old yet hopefully um you know i'm in my late 20s now and even i'm becoming like that. I'm like oh god i just i just want this thing to work i already paid for it i just want it to work like the company told me it would work and even if i can get a better service somewhere else the simplicity will just do it and that kind of leads me into a topic that i wanted to bring up since the beginning and it might be very good to think about now is that again i want to go back to that quote uh, um, from gabe newell about steam is that piracy is a um a service issue mm -hmm. it's always a service issue people 
will be willing to pay and people will be willing to pay a lot of money if the service works well. And for DSTV, the service works well enough that people have been willing to pay. And that, that's really the whole core of everything. The service works well enough for people to still pay. And is that going to change? Is this going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back? No. I, I don't know if DSTV will be around forever, but I think it's going to be around for a lot longer than people think it is. Every year, I think people in our space, tech journalists and people are really into tech and first adopters in that day, they call for the death of DSTV and they say, oh, this is the last year we're going to have to put up with this. And then DSTV is still around the next year and they're giving their C-suites more millions. So, yeah, it's it's a big, complex issue. But every time they make anti-consumer choices like this, we have to have this discussion. And I don't want to be oh, how I might say, oh, we have to hold them accountable. But we just need to like, talk to our, each other as consumers. And, uh, yeah, are we really going to put up with this? Probably. <laughs> Probably, which is the, the sad end to all the, this whole conversation. My final thoughts, uh, I think we should just wrap up here. Uh, final thoughts from everybody, but let's start with me. Uh, well, I'll start. Uh, is to DSTV, please hire some young folk uh, in your C-suite. Um, somebody that's at least in their early 30s, late 20s would also be good. Hell, get one of each. Um, so that they can help you understand why decisions like this are just pants on head stupid. Um, and hopefully you don't make decisions like this in the future. Uh, I'm hoping that in the next couple of weeks, <clears throat> the backlash is so severe that DSTV walks this decision back. Um, but I'm also hopeful that they don't so that people can move away from DSTV and they lose even more subscribers because a message needs to be sent. Uh, Robin, your closing thoughts. Yeah, I think... I would like for this to lead to a significant change as far as consumer sentiment to DSTV and people potentially cancelling their subscriptions to kind of send them a message. But it probably won't. And I think it's really a generational issue. Um, you've kind of spoken about older generation, which is more comfortable and familiar with terrestrial uh, TV. Um, yeah, I think I, I really do think that it's going to change, though. Um, again, I don't want to get to millennials are the future, blah, 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 nonsense. But I think our generation of content consumers yeah. are willing to kind of t take risks and gambles on new services. And, and, and I know we, we spoke about Gabe Newell and it's a service issue, but I think that our generation of consumer is increasingly more critical of poor service and they are willing to one, take a risk with something else and two, potentially pay more if it is a better service um, compared to what they're currently getting. So I think DSTV will still be kicking around for another decade or two, but it wouldn't surprise me if uh, our generation of consumer kind of leave them behind altogether. And Clinton, final thoughts? Marilyn. I've been doing a lot of uh, belly aching during this podcast. So I, uh, my final thoughts are it's obviously anti-consumer. It's blatant that they just want to make more money. Uh, man, just I want a company to do something that's good for the consumer. Just, just once or twice. You know, it doesn't yeah. have to be all day, every day, 24-7. Just make like one or two pro-consumer. <laughs> I'm so tired of hearing the phrase and saying the phrase anti-consumer, but... I come into work and that's all I see and that's all I write. Um, and it's not because I want to be an overly negative person. That's just how the world is. So yeah. 
Yeah, there's the multi-choice. Come on, <laughs> yeah, come give on, us man. a bone, man. Come on, really. Everything's everything's on fire. Just <laughs> just let come on. people stream at a time on DSTV. Nobody will say anything. Just come on. Anyway. You could even reverse it and not saying anything. People will be like, "Okay, we'll keep this on the down low." Yeah, we have an understanding, you and I. <laughs> yeah, we won't, we won't we won't discuss it any further. Uh, but thank you so much for listening in. Thank you once again to Winks for sponsoring this edition of the Africast. Um, and yeah, from myself, Brendan Lodge, Cheerio from Clinton Matos. Bye, everybody. And from Robin Lee Chetty. Take care, everyone. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Forget what you know about gaming. The Winks range is a brand built with gamers in mind. Trying to bask in the latest AAA title in 8K, the Winx Link seamless 8K HDMI cable supports HDMI 2.1 and features a 90-degree adapter. The Winx Game Supreme wireless controller is just the thing you need for your PC and mobile gaming needs. Look out for the black and yellow packaging while you shop Winx at takealot.com.